0: Today, we're really excited because we have a special guest with us, a very powerful topic that's really big in the world today, and our guest, artist, um, theologian, writer, we'll just throw all that out there. Wow. Lecrae Moore is in the house today. How are you doing, Lecrae? Welcome, welcome to welcome. Texas. Thank welcome you. back. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> the sun welcomed me today, too. I can tell you that much. Man, we are so glad to have you here, and just wanted to hear a little bit about your story about... Um, the catch word the taboo word in today's Christianity is mm. deconstruction mm. people are running from what does this word mean mm-hmm. and how has that looked for you uh, but even before we jump into that what tell us just maybe 30 seconds 60 seconds tell us a little bit about Lecrae yeah. um, for those who aren't familiar with you today for sure um,
1: so uh, as he said you know uh, I do a, a lot of different things Well before all of those particular things uh, I was a kid who uh, grew up to with, with a single mother, father wasn't in the picture. Um, you know, dealt with a lot of trials and tribulations of just growing up in an urban environment. Um, but uh, you know, had a knack for art and mm-hmm. culture. Ended up getting a full scholarship to go to the University of North Texas, where I met Jesus. Yeah. Uh, radically changed my life and perspective. And um, and and since then, it's been a journey to just uh, you know. Grow and become who he's called me to be. Uh, It's been a journey. Wow. Yeah. Wife, kids, what's family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Listen, uh, let me not forget about this because, you know, my my wife is is that. Listen, uh, is actually from uh, the DFW, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to my wife. There are three uh, amazing kids uh, Landon, Amaya, and David, uh, 11, uh, 13, and 15. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, I'm. It's a
0: miracle. I still have all my hair. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that's just got. Amen. Me too. I know what miracles (laughs) are like with wife and kids. Man, well, uh, just with everything you've been through, grown up in, and walked through in life, and through what you do, I want to jump into some of the latest things you've been talking about, working on, about restoration, about deconstruction, and just what is, for somebody who hasn't heard it yet, if you've been under a rock, what is deconstruction, and what's leading to that in today's culture? That's a good question. Um, so, deconstruction
1: are is is essentially um, a term that's used for people who have experienced uh, disappointment with mm-hmm. uh, the church, specifically the American church. So that's right. that's another that we have to whole other thing right yeah. so specifically within the American church there's been a lot of people who have experienced disappointment whether that is a church abuse whether that is sexism or racism whether politics have creeped into the church so much that it's causing division right. and they are saying I no longer uh, know which way to go in light of this and so they begin to deconstruct which is peel back the layers of everything they've been taught um, and Uh, Once they start peeling back these layers, they're trying to figure out who am I in light of all the things that I've been exposed to, experience the trauma. A lot of people have experienced trauma. And so they begin to deconstruct. And so um, uh, oftentimes that means, you know, it's healthier for me to be outside of this church, be outside of this building, be away from these people and anything that may trigger my trauma in this particular area. So that's a roundabout
0: idea of what deconstruction is. Man. I, I just I always think of the game of Jenga when I think of deconstructing mm-hmm. I'm pulling out piece by piece and eventually it might all crumble right if I pull out enough in the right places That's good. and um, you mentioned a lot of it comes from trauma and hurt mm-hmm. how yeah. has that how do we get there in church yeah well
1: um I think what a lot of people forget um, and, and part of it is due to some to leadership, part of it's due to our perception, mm-hmm. is that the church is made up of humans, <laughs> broken yeah. human beings, right. um, and so sometimes you have, you know, uh, naive individuals who exalt these humans to superhuman status, yeah. and sometimes you have leaders uh, within, you know, these these uh, church um, communities that present themselves Mm -hmm. to be otherworldly or gurus or you know like they they're they're not human Mm -hmm. and that is a cocktail for problems Mm -hmm. right um uh, oftentimes also within america a lot of our churches function more like a business And, and sometimes in doing that what ends up happening is they're it's less about community and it's more about, you know, just getting things done. So yeah. people feel like they're being run over inside of a, a you know, this
0: moving ship. Right. Yeah. And and when Man. that sets everybody up for disaster, exactly. that sets the leader up for disaster, exactly. those in the church for disaster. Yep. When when um, the way our pastor says it here is he says, I'm. We don't need a sage on the stage. We need a guy by your side. There we go. Nobody big, everybody little. There we go. And um, realizing we all walk with a limp because when there's this perfect image of someone up there on a the stage and then something happens, yeah. which it's, it's already happening. It's when we find out it's happening, there we go. Yeah. Um, then trauma, hurt, mm-hmm. things start to happen. Yeah. And, and people begin to try to put... Pieces together or figure out how they got there. Yeah, and it's so prevalent in today's generation more than ever. Yeah, and so you know that was
1: my experience. You know, and I, oftentimes I try to you know speak out of my own personal experience because I went through a deconstruction period where um, you know I experienced a lot of a lot of hurt, uh, a lot of anybody who's familiar with my story knows I'm I, you know I, I was outspoken I about a lot of particular things that I saw in society, and um, there were. You know, people within the church community that um, you know really let me down in that time period, uh, for lack of a better word. And and because I was so hurt, you know, I got to remember a kid like me who didn't grow up in church. Uh, this was the first family, secure, consistent type of family I'd ever had. And for them to let me down, I thought, oh, I can do. I can experience this on the streets. You know, I can experience abandonment from my father who never showed up. Yeah. I can experience all this. So, indeed. For me deconstruction was a very, I did it in what I would say an unhealthy way. Now people say there's no healthier, unhealthy way to deconstruct, but I, I don't believe that's true. Mm-hmm. And there's there's reasons why I don't believe that's true, and we can talk about that as well. But for me, the unhealthy thing was to allow the culture to become my plumb line or my standard. Mm-hmm. And the culture moves like every, I mean it's always moving, it's not consistent. So. When I began to draw my identity or worth or value or understanding of of morality, of truth from this, you know, uh fluid thing called culture, I'm left being switched to every wind and wave of doctrine. So it was a dark place for me. Um I I definitely did not at that time period of time I didn't believe there was a God. Mm-hmm. And when I was in, in that phase of my life, I'm the type of person that if there's no God, then there's no standard of morality, right? We're, we're all just coming up with our own idea of what morality is and what is right and what is wrong. And so I'm a true I was gonna be a true atheist if I was gonna be one. I was gonna be right. Nietzsche. I was like, well, if there's no God, we're all just we're just floating. We're not, there's no meaning to us. And that was a sad and depressing place for me, and it led me to a dark place. And so um, I, I'll I'll say this, and then you know we can we'll definitely get into how I came out of it, but um, I was hanging on by a thread, right? And and I think the thing that made me continue to even dig was the reality that um, life was getting more complicated and more difficult, and my own personal depression and anxiety was outweighing my ability to fight, and I felt like I needed mm-hmm. something out of this world yeah. to
0: to help. Now... There's a whole lot. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. First of all, while you're going through this, mm-hmm. the very people you followed, listen, learn from, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden start, start saying, "Who is this guy? Oh, yeah. What does he really believe? Yeah. Why is he saying this? This doesn't feel good. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't feel good to me. I'm not used to him saying that." Mm-hmm. Um, and the haters start coming at you mm-hmm. from every direction. Uh, how did you? What? What did you do when people come at you from every direction? What did you do? What yeah. would you recommend somebody do while you're going through that?
1: Yeah, I, I think there is there's destructive anger and there's constructive anger. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I had you know, destructive anger is when you just start tearing everything up. Oh you oh you mad? I'm gonna show you mad. You know, you wanna talk oh, you know what? And that's where you you know, Doctor King talks about riots are um uh, basically the voices of the unheard, you mm-hmm. know, and um and so you you destructively do things, and for me, that destructive anger was was just substances, right? So now that's alcohol, that's pills, that's smoking, whatever. It was just like, well, I'm going to destruct destroy myself right. because right. no one wants to hear my voice. Constructive anger is when you get to a place where you're saying, "What can I do to to change what I hate right now?" Right. So if If no one cares about these kids and I'm frustrated about these poor, disenfranchised kids and no one cares, I can get mad and burn down their buildings or I can say, well, I'm going to care. I'm going to be the one to invest in these kids and change their lives. And so
0: I had to move from destructive anger to constructive anger. Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. I I saw that happening from afar. Right. And I was like, wow. I didn't know. Everybody could come after you like that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, It was crazy. Well, and then you also just mentioned um, anxiety and mental health. Yes. What role did that play in all of this, and what did that look like for you? So
1: that's another thing. I didn't know that um, I was on a like a mental health spectrum growing mm-hmm. up. You know, that wasn't a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd have some signs and some outbursts as a kid. You know, I've always been, a, you know... A little more of an anxious person. I want to make sure I get my flight. I want to, you know, I always think the world's ending if something doesn't happen the way that I thought it was. But I didn't realize those were mental health issues. I thought that was just my wiring. And um, I think the reality of there not being a God, and and when I unwind it all the way back, you know, any a a smart atheist can handle. It's not healthy. intellectually to say there's no God, but there is morality. like that's just you're, you're, you're playing with two sides of the field yeah. at this point in time. So I was intelligent enough to know that if there's no God, there's no morality. it's only what we make it mm-hmm. right Good is only our standard. And that was a sad thing for me, yeah. you know that because that meant if if you know a, a, a police officer thought that I deserved to die and that was his desire, then that's, that's good to him. Or if anybody, not even the police officer, but you know, at the time period, that's where my brain was. And I was really sad about that reality. Um, and so all that to say that um, it left me in a state of mental disarray. And I found myself more depressed and I was self-medicating with alcohol. And he, my doctor at the time, he wasn't a legit doctor, so that's another thing, but was <laughs> right. prescribing me pills that weren't helpful for me either, mm-hmm. so a lot of self-medicating, and it was
0: actually making my mental health worse. Mm. Yeah. Now, what did it look like for you to get help in that area? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole stigma right there, too. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, that's that's been a process, too, and, I, and you know, God's been gracious to me in, in hindsight to, um, to understand what therapy is, you mm-hmm. know, um... Uh, my my, um, my wife wears a t-shirt uh, from an, an amazing therapist that says you know um, uh, prayer is a weapon and therapy is a strategy right yeah. and so it's just kind of like wow. it's one of the tools that uh, we have in our in our toolbox yeah. uh, to help fight so therapy's been huge um, but it's that combination that I didn't realize that therapy does not I thought of therapy as secular, right? Like, without God, like, oh, shoot, I'm about to go walk into the witch of the West when I sit down with this person, not realizing that God says to renew your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we look at Elijah, and he was anxious and and depressed. And so David was depressed as he wrote many of the songs. So there's an integration where God does support therapists, and I think the church is now catching up to that. Therapists are now
0: understanding their role in the church. So therapy was very helpful. And, well, you, you talked about getting pretty low and in a pretty dark place. Yeah. How did you start to, who came, who came after you, who yeah. helped you, what did that look like? How did you start to, after everything's deconstructed and at the lowest yeah. of lows, how did you start to put the blocks back together? So here's the hardest thing for leaders, because for somebody who was in my
1: position, it may have been easier, I'm, I don't know, but yeah. I would say the hard thing for leaders is to admit that they're weak right mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for leaders to say I need help because everyone's looking at them yeah. for strength and so it's, it's very important I think for leaders to have a circle of people that see them on an equal playing field uh, as yeah. you it, it, basically yeah. I need people to to face me and not to to see me as somebody high and exalted yeah. or somebody who had to have it all together and not be intimidated by my, my struggles mm-hmm. um, and so I'm very grateful for my close circle of friends that I had yeah. who were, they were grieving as well, right? And so we were helping each other. We were all traumatized collectively. But I think the mistake that I made was that I did not tell the older, wiser people in my life what I was going through because I wanted to show them that I, I can do it. I got it all together. Yeah. And so God had to literally give me a, a, you know, like a Saul to Paul experience where it's just getting drugged through yeah. the ground. And uh, I'll never forget the day I I was Googling, like, is God real? Where's God? And I kept getting back these uh, very Western American Christian blogs or writings. And as such, we live in America. Right. Our, that's mm-hmm. the dominant viewpoint. mm mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I gotta get out of America so I can hear from another perspective. So my wife and I hopped the plane, we went to Egypt. We get to Egypt, and I am blown away at, at, at everything that I'm seeing. Now, I'm not quite looking for God, I'm just trying to mm-hmm. process. We get to Egypt, there's a young lady who's walking us through some of these ancient uh, Egyptian artifacts, and uh, she tells us about this Pharaoh. And she's like, this Pharaoh was. Regarded as one of the worst Pharaohs in the history. And I was like, oh, really? Why is that? And she said, oh, because he let tons of slaves go. Like an uncounted amount of slaves were, were let go by the Pharaoh so we don't hold him in high regard. We really don't talk about him much. And I was like, like in the Bible? And she's like, I don't know Bible. I don't know the Bible, but I know history. I said, you don't know. You never heard of. She's like, I don't know this story. Wow. And that's where God really hit me. And I said, oh my goodness, you know, he's meeting me where I was at. And that's where the journey back to him started. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was fortunate enough to go, after that we visited a church. It was a Coptic church, an Egyptian church, but they had some books there with thoughts that I hadn't thought and and things that I hadn't thought of. And I began to realize, oh, this is a global faith. This is not an American faith. This is a global faith. And I've only heard America's
0: version of it. And I've got to broaden my perspective." wow you know one of the one of the things our pastor said especially him being from Jamaica Mm -hmm. is if your if your faith only works in America Mm -hmm. if your thought of how you do finances of how you do trust and faith and family and community if it only works here and it doesn't translate there then something's wrong right and it sounds like what you're saying here too exactly we it was a broken image of just western American faith yes that led astray. And I was ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is
1: where I think a lot of people get with their deconstruction process is oftentimes instead of investigating the faith, mm-hmm. they'll throw the whole faith away and start investigating culture. Well, what does culture say meaning is? And and, and and mind you, there are some brilliant thoughts and, and things outside of, you know, the Bible to ponder upon and to wrestle with. There's some incredible minds who are not Christian at all, so I don't want to discredit them. But uh, a healthy deconstruction is what Jesus implemented. He used the scriptures to deconstruct. He challenged the Pharisees and said, you know what, the way you're interpreting this is really wrong. And if anybody were to follow you all, Mm -hmm. they would be disenchanted and not want to follow the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But you've heard it said, but I say, So he was deconstructing and then reconstructing it in a way that was beneficial and was helpful for people. Um, And we saw this, you know, even with the uh, the Protestant Reformation. They came to the Catholic Church and said, ah, this whole, like, earn my way to heaven, we're going to have to break. Everybody can't read the scriptures thing. That's not healthy. Let's look at the scriptures to see what it says. The Civil Rights Movement. This whole, you know, you can go to church on Sunday and not see your brother as yourself, this is not going to work. And right. Dr. King would use the scriptures to appeal to the church. And that's the way that I think we can have, restore a healthier view of Jesus and, and
0: the faith in general. So how did you start? I heard this quote of you, you want to show your scars yeah. as proof that wounded people can heal. Yeah. So what did your healing process look like? Yes. So for me, the,
1: the hard part is I was wounded in public and I had to heal oftentimes in public, right? So it was like having to to go through step by step in public. And I had to learn, like, it's okay to disappear. You know, it's okay. Jesus lived thirty years in obscurity. You know, he didn't tweet everything that he was learning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Was the thirty third year, he's like, all right, I'm about to tell y'all what God has taught me. Paul spent three years in obscurity, and it's okay to sit back. Especially in this culture, where we feel like if it doesn't happen today, I'm gonna lose everything. It's like, no. You're not wasting time spending with God. You're gaining eternity, and so take your time and let Him grow you. So I, as He began to grow me and I began to process stuff and work stuff out, um, I personally saw my mental health shift. I saw mm-hmm. my perspective shift. I, I cared about less about a lot of the vain things, um, you know, uh, um, you know, modern writers or you know. Uh, People outside of the church community may say, like, you know, your shadow or your ego. You're, you're less of your shadow side, more of your e- less of mm-hmm. your ego being exposed. And so what I w- what I would say is what was happening for me is um is growth, and and
0: I began to just share the nuggets of growth that were happening as as I move forward. Yeah. Wow, I see so many young people now that are in that hurt phase, mm-hmm. and. They begin to build something else up instead of trying to heal. Yeah, and it, it breaks my heart. Um, right. If you were going to talk to, um, I mean, there's there's two there's two levels. There, number one, the leader who's public, mm-hmm. who goes through some kind of questioning, some kind of deconstructing, some mm-hmm. kind of public. Um, I mean, you've just talked about it. it's okay to it's okay to draw away. Yeah, it's okay to hit mute. It's okay to pause the accounts. Yeah. Um, then, after you did that, then what did the growing look like? Mm-hmm. Who were the people in your life? or oh, the things game. you did to do that? Yeah, so it's a rhythm, right? So, it, 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 you know, um, it's
1: a rhythm of consistency. You also have to realize you have the ability to choose no. Whatever cycles were implemented in you or were implemented in your family, you can be the cycle breaker. You have the right to choose no. No, I will not yeah. continue down this, this lane. And I'm going to choose something different now. Um, and so the healing is is consistency, first and foremost, okay. right? So consistency. Let's consistently pursue healing. Let's consistently read things that are helpful and put us in a place of, of growth. Let's consistently call out to God in prayer. Let's consistently spend time in community with people who love me for me, not for what I mm-hmm. say or do. That's good. Um, and let's consistently... Uh, practice gratitude it's it's helpful for your brain, you know, so just just writing down what you're grateful for on a consistent basis and then um, I think uh, uh, You know again therapy as well from somebody who can help you I had a wonderful godly therapist who could both use the scriptures and use the understanding of the mind um, Collectively and that's a beautiful thing out you if your heart if you are having heart issues Sure, you want a good cardiologist, but man, how much better if your cardiologist prays for you and knows their Bible as well? Like, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah. for somebody to want to help my brain and uh, want to encourage
0: me in faith was a very helpful thing for me as well. Wow. And just listen, every leader listening, well, maybe not every, I can't use absolutes, but this is Lecrae who's already been known in public that now is wondering, is there a God? Yeah. So this is, this is not... B.C., before Christ LaCroix, nope. this is nope. this is real life. This now, is... all of a sudden, I don't know if God's there. And it's putting the pieces back together. Yes. And yes. Um, it sounds like it's just back to the fundamentals and having good communities around. You know what? That's what it comes down to, honestly. And people hate
1: on those things because the fundamentals are really what makes us cringe up and say, oh, that's triggering. You know, there was a time I couldn't read Romans because I only heard the mm-hmm. voice of a particular pastor who yep. really... Just hurt me. I heard his voice when I opened up that book, but I can't throw away Romans, right? Yeah. Maybe I just need to read, you know, songs for a while until I can I, I grow in that area. But at the same time, yes, you know, um, it, it, it's necessary for us to spend that time um, digging
0: in and allowing God to do some some soul work on us. Wow. Um, now for the leader listening, let's say it's a pastor or a church leader listening, and they know they've got people in their church who are wrestling with deconstructing. Mm-hmm. They know they've got the next generation, could be millennials, could be another generation of people, and they see it happening. Yeah. They see the pain, they see the hurt, they see the trauma. As a leader, how would you help them to pastor and shepherd people that are going through that?
1: Yeah, so leaders lead in, in vulnerability. That's number one. So be a vulnerable leader. You know, if you are presenting yourself yeah. as high and mighty, I've got it all figured out, I know everything, and I'm a perfect individual, you're setting your people up for failure. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't be a a dogmatic tyrant. Um, Be a servant leader, right, where you're in the trenches with the people, so um, they can actually see, like, oh, you're human, and the reason why I follow you is not because you're superhuman, but it's because you're broken, and you're really trusting God in the midst of your brokenness, and that is what inspires me. Um, that's gonna be part one. Part two is understanding that people are genuinely traumatized, genuinely hurt, and to acknowledge that. Okay. Right? It's it's when you just try to tell people to get over it or give them a scripture to this is you know be anxious for nothing. It's yeah. like that's not helpful. Right? You gotta validate their feelings, validate their emotions, um, and and empathy. You know, Jesus stepped into. What we were dealing with. He's right. he's God on the throne. He's like, all right, I'm gonna become a baby and need to be breastfed, right. and you know, have a cold, uh, get sick, right. you know, and then let y'all beat on me mm-hmm. in order to connect with you all in the most empathetic way possible. Mm-hmm. So he was bruised for our transgressions, and so take some bruises on behalf of your people. You know, sit in the trenches with them just Mm. just go be with them Um, and so i would say that's that's helpful and then also man encourage them that this faith that this faith journey we're on is just that it's a faith journey i think we have to realize we're we're all people trying to fit in and you know even when we look for churches where do i fit where do i fit there's no perfect spouse there's no perfect church there's no place you know where you fit no, utopia literally means no place, yeah. it doesn't exist you are what the bible calls an exile, mm. you're an alien your home is heaven right. you're going to wander down here and be distressed and have issues but wander with people who love you in, in, in the midst of it all so I would just tell leaders man, wander with your people, encourage them that, that there's not this destination yeah. that they're like
0: now I got it all together, I'm ready but it's a journey. Wow. Okay. That's that's good. And yeah. for some leaders, that's going to be really hard to do. But you got to jump into it. To Absolutely. Be real. Um, what what excites you the most about this next generation and where you see? There's a lot of people that are worried, that are scared, that are hurt. Yeah. What potential do you see in this generation that's coming?
1: I, I really love the fact that they're willing to wrestle. Right. Like this really? is the perfect generation for for Berean. Esque culture because they have access to information the internet they can study more than they ever have been able to um and they can wrestle more and there's a culture of wrestling a culture of asking questions and i love that because we don't have to just sit and hear what the pastor said and say well he said it that's it i'm going home you now are thinking and wrestling and asking hard questions that's great but just realize there has to be a plumb line there has to be a standard and absolute you can't there has to be gravity you can't just make up whatever you want to make up and then start wrestling from there any debater will tell you that um and so I'm excited because man they are hardwired to wrestle yeah. to dig and once they get into the scriptures in that kind of way they're gonna be processing and asking amazing questions and,
0: and, and, and uh, transforming people all right so Uh, deconstructing as long as it leads to reconstructing Mm -hmm. so when we're reconstructing any tools resources anything you would guide people to yeah
1: um, a lot of that is going to depend on the particular type of trauma Mm -hmm. that you've experienced that's causing you to need to deconstruct so um, you know for me uh, a lot of it was racial trauma within the church and so there were particular authors that I needed to read um, you know, um, uh, man. Now my brain—I just yeah. blanked out on the particular I book. I set you up. But um, uh, I will. I, matter of fact, you know what I'll do is I will tweet out a, a bunch of resources. So follow me on Twitter. It's at Lecrae, and I will tweet out a bunch of resources that have been helpful for me. But depending on the type of trauma that you've experienced, there, mm-hmm. there's particular research, resources that are more beneficial for you. Um, but as far as like. Um, Establishing in Faith. I love this book. Um, you know, uh, um, I believe it's called, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the book's name, uh, but it's Mark John Comer, and I believe it's Live No Lies. Yes. Is that the name of the mm-hmm. book? Okay, I got
0: it. Bam. Yes. Uh, great book that just resets some foundational thoughts and ideas. That's a good one, man. Yeah. Now, okay, so last thing, then we're going to wrap up today. Now that you're on the other side of this journey and you look back, into the, the darkness that you went through, um, and you see people in that same darkness, mm-hmm. I'm sure that breaks your heart. But mm-hmm. how do you, uh, now that you're on the other side, what is the message of hope that you would give to somebody in the middle of it? Man,
1: you know what, I, I've said this before, and I think um, I want people, I, I'll reiterate it, is that oftentimes you look at your circumstances, mm-hmm. and you say, you don't understand. You don't understand what I've experienced. You don't understand the abuse that i went through. You don't understand the type of hurt. Yeah. And, I, and I tell people, I say, you're right. I don't. I mean, I don't understand my 11-year-old's my mad. So you, you are absolutely right. I don't understand. But I, I do know this. I do know that even if your situation is different than Rahab or David or right. Paul or Joseph, those are all traumatic situations and they were different. But the God who walk them through that is the same. Different situations, same God. And he's still the God today that brings home wayward children, cures anxiety and depression, um, heals those who are, are wrestling. Right. Same God then, same God now. You can trust him, and he's worthy of your trust. So the hurts that you may be experiencing, because of the church, those are people hurts. Those are not God hurts. Mm-hmm. God didn't do that. That's good. People did that. People are broken. And whether they're in church or out of church, people will hurt you. good so
0: realize that but God is a healer and he's here to heal amen this is a powerful message on deconstructing to reconstructing and the new hope you have I love what just said there it's a people wound it's a people hurt not a God hurt Mm -hmm. and leading people back to God we want to thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast thank you wherever you're at listening if this has blessed you or helped you We'd love it. It'd be cool if you could leave us a review or go share this wherever you listen. Shout out to Lecrae. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. It's been real. We thank you for being on the podcast today. We can't wait to see you next time. God bless you.